Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to a podcast from The I've Word. Got called, I've got a song called Solpadine, yes. It's called Solpadine. I performed it with John Paul Jones in... Uh, I love it, one. In, um, Christ, End of the Road a couple of years ago. Robert Plant was in the audience. and he, I'm, I'm OK, actually. I'm back to the stage. <laughs> oh, I could keep it for later. Put one by your ear for later. Plant, <laughs> thank you, God. Oh, I don't mind if I do. Uh, yeah, Plant texted... John, after the show, just with one word, Solpadine, question mark. So, I don't know, I guess... I'm going to show my ignorance, I've it. never had Solpadine. Somebody's what? facing oh. a very powerful headache. Uh, well, I've just taken one because I've got the, most, I've got the mother and you father probably need both of all hangers. That's, that's terrible. And how did you get the mother and well, father of all hangers? Well, I went to, we went to a meal with my brother-in-law my sister in a place called... Oh, I shall advertise this because it's so fantastic. I mean, tell a boring phrase about it. It's one of the Ten Bells in Spitalfields, which does an incredible menu. We ate things like duck hearts in pureed... Um, artichoke, celeriac. Well, celeriac. Well, celeriac, absolutely right. Mm. We had, um, you know, we had uh, stuff in, 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 again, pureed mussels with, with kind of crisp bits of fried fish around it. And we had steamed, we had an egg, we had a duck egg that had been cooked for, um, for one hour at 63 degrees. Sous vide. Is that what it's called? Yeah. All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Technique. Sous vide. He, yeah. he knows, Sous-vide. Robin. Oh. He knows. Yeah. yeah. We wow. had phenomenal. You had one duck egg between you. Well, no, I'm <laughs> making it sound like we were somehow shortchanged. It was absolutely epic, epic stuff. Just really peculiar and uh, different food. Is this working? You wouldn't have liked it. What No, I probably yeah. wouldn't have liked it. No. But yeah, it's I can tell you did. But you yeah. managed to drink an enormous amount. Well, because my brother in law is a wine importer and he imports to this fantastic place. And they were this table's rocking, isn't it? And they were trying out Literally, some of their amazing yeah. vintages on us. And I was a willing. Um, Willing. So, so they were just coming along and saying, "Here, try this. Can you try this amazing champagne?" And you weren't spitting anything out. You oh Lord, no! No, no the spittoon remained <laughs> completely, <laughs> completely unused. <laughs> but anyway, that's where we were. And look, very excitingly, having taken a solpadine, we could introduce the mighty Robin Hitchcock. Robin, Robin, this is so fantastic. And I thought we'd do a special thing today through the fog of this terrible hangover, which is that Robin, who I've known for years actually. Um, 
is I, th- I think has a unique perspective on uh, on uh, the landscape of pop and rock. In that, and like the people listening, like us, um, you know, he sees musicians, the epic figures uh, the, of the um, of the cultural landscape, as as a fan and a, as, a, as an admirer, but also sees them as a musician. I think Robin's uh, coffee's coming in. Yeah, Robin has a special needs when it comes to coffee. He's, he's, a boy has been Imagine, sent describe out. Describe what, what coffee this is for Robin Hitchcock. It's very special, isn't it? It's a, what it's is a soy it? milk cappuccino with uh, two sugars. There you go. Very good. Thanks very much. Yeah, Keep your Thanks, chance. Alex. Well, Buy yourself something nice, mate. <laughs> Lovely. All right. There and, goes Alex um, with his so hoop and stick. We're going to talk about Robin as the kind of human jukebox later on. But firstly, about your own your own stuff. Can, I, can I ask the traditional yeah, question yeah. right yeah. at the beginning? Oh yeah, what is mm-hmm. up? We yeah. always ask anybody who comes on the podcast: Is what music was in your house when you were a small child? Um, Bill Haley and Lonnie Donegan. So Bill was Haley this your was parents? Uh, yeah, they, but they think they bought it for me because I don't think they would have necessarily dug it themselves. But I think my dad thought, ah, two-year-old boy, he'll probably <laughs> want some of this modern stuff. So he went out and bought Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley. Bought and, by your dad, and, that's um, a first. And um, something by Lonnie Donegan. And then he had a load of stuff by... Jimmy Shand and his band. Oh, God, we during the, the war. Swirl of the Kilt was there in the first, that, second album, I believe. Was that? Yeah. God, I don't know. These were these were seventy eight. But he yeah. he had so he had this Northumbrian dance music. He'd acquired a taste for that in hospital during the war when he was when he was uh, his time was eased on you know morphine and um, and so he'd have the the nurses would come by and the conjunction of females. Morphine and Northumbrian music left a very deep effect on Raymond, who had only known probably about you know classical education and violence until he found himself at the age of twenty-two with a hole in his knee in a hospital in Newcastle. And and also and knew a lot about the Battle of the Somme. Just remind me because he wrote a book, didn't he, about the clay kickers? Isn't it? Oh uh, no, he wrote this. Well, I don't know you call him. He wrote this book about the people who. Uh, the Tunnelers, the best Tunnelers. book he wrote. He wrote a few books, but the, the the one that was really good and sadly is out of print is about two blokes from Dorset or something who were tunnelling under the German lines. That's right. right. You know, because most of World War One was a stalemate, and so yeah. that both sides resorted to tunnelling, building these Which networks must have been underneath. An inspiration for Birdsong. Well, it definitely. Been, yeah. I think it, it was because the the. Yeah, the guy said something like, oh, some obscure English author had uh, written a book. Oh, I assume really? he, so read he Ray- must have read Raymond's book. Without, he didn't write, yeah. a bu- didn't write a book about the, 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 the mines at Messines, did he? Because no, there's the famous mines so. that were laid under the German lines at Messines. I mm. think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And one went off on time, one went off 20, 20 years later, and the third one still hasn't gone off. Go off. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, sorry, sorry. So people walk around there with a certain, with a certain trepidation. trepidation. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, your Jimmy Shand uh, early influence is something you have in common with, with Richard Thompson, who had the same kind of upbringing, didn't he? Father, a Scottish policeman, uh, uh, and very keen on Scottish country dancing music. And so Richard Thompson has actually got, written a song called Don't Sit on My Jimmy Shands. That's right. He did, well, didn't that he? probably he did. yes. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, that probably softened him up for folk music. Yeah, and could, my could well my dad started buying records by the Weavers and the Clancy Brothers and Louis Killeen and uh, Bert Lloyd and all those Bob Davenport, the sort of folk. Well, a lot of traditional 
singers basically so uh, so all that stuff was was percolating through and then my mum gave him an incredible string band record and that didn't work that w- that was ejected he could take all the other stuff the but the string band was it was the wrong it was the wrong generation <laughs> for for my dad but but a mere 9 months later I, I was 12, so I'd learned to walk at that point. I actually was leafing through the record collection because I was having a day off and I was crawling. And I found this thing saying, The Incredible String Band, because I could read. Wow, I thought. And having a, a spare month, I popped the record on the record player. You'll remember record players. I do, yeah. And, you know, it was, as usual, I started with side two, which was, Oh, Lord, how happy I am. Boom, what my dad had not picked up on at all i absorbed straight through the frontal lobe and i had that was it so i had you know the string band and i discovered dylan uh and the beatles you couldn't avoid so the essential thing the components were all in in place and then of course certainly for for us three you know we all came up in the in the same era and basically a lot of the same people hit us at slightly different points but we've all you know our dna is all marked it is. But it's it composed is. of the same music, and that is that's our folk music. So if you like my particular, you know, you could look at the stuff my dad was playing to me when I was two, and you could pretty much plot exactly where I'd be now, which is psych folk. There was no psych, but there was you know rock, and there was very primitive rock and roll, and there was folk. It's and that's, how many that's what I do, in, in, you know. and how big a basis folk music was. When I was at the Floating Palace concert you played the other day. Um, uh, uh, as indeed a lot of our listeners were, in fact, because they've emailed me about it. There's a lovely bit where you were talking about seeing Martin Carthy in the folk mm. clubs and watching his finger picking tech. Yes. And he had done some really peculiar thing where he used to super glue his thumb or something so he could play <sighs> a certain sort of picking style. <laughs> he was very what amenable because I was a Carthy ghoul, as was Green. When, yeah. we, when Green and I finally met in one of Joe Boyd's string bandathons a couple of years ago. Um, I just, we discovered we were both Carthy hounds in the in the mid seventies, and, really? and I used to, I used to go up, you know, because Green's the stuff Green produces is so pristine and you know elegant compared to my stuff, which has got a lot more earth on it. Um, but but he uh, and we would both go and see Martin, and Martin it was you know there was nothing to protect him from point-blank ghouls like self steaming up with Guinness and a roll-up and going, wow, you've been playing, I so enjoy wow, that was so good, what have you got on your fingers? And he said, oh, well, there's this mixture you get from Boots and, you, you know, you glue, I don't know, needless to say, he gave me enough information that I, I couldn't take it in. But there was something he glued to his talons that just sort of lengthened your fingernails. Now he uses a thumb pick, so you get that, that classic... Carthy thrum, you know. Yes, extraordinary. But because all his stuff is in open tuning, I've, I mean, you know, I've seen him many times, from, but from point blank range, I have no idea what he's doing. And the last night of the Floating Palace tour, we had Green, uh, Katie Tunstall, um, Mar- you know, Martin gave us all a concert in Crystal Warren's room, which was fantastic. Again, at point blank range. Yeah. Green and I and Kate and Howe Gelb sitting on this double bed, sort of staring at Martin, who was just. At, it's amazing. At, you know, and you're going to play Seven ballad. Yellow Gypsies. Yeah, you know, yeah. Crystal came off that tour saying she's going to cover um, Sir Patrick Spence, you know, Martin's yeah, which she version. Played. Not that, yeah, and. and um, and the last night Martin couldn't make, so John Paul Jones sat, stood in, and being the organism he is, he was able to. Liza showed him the tune of this, you know, that um, old 
jig the steel eye. Yeah. Um, Brian Olin, Hitler's downfall. Well, da 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 da. And um, Liza Sh- and we went on stage and we did it with Liza started with the tenor guitar and then she picked up the fiddle. John was John was mandolin and I was acoustic. You know, the understudy. But it was ex- that's what's really exciting is being able to to do this. You know, I've catapulted straight from being two in Weybridge, Surrey, listening to Rock Around the Clock, yeah. to being 58 in the... You know, but, it's but, but that's you, basically what happened. You you, know? You've done these kind of... Um, uh, what's the word? You've been the musical director, really, of quite a few of these shows. I'd be mean, really interested to hear a bit about them. You did a, there was a Nick Drake show you did, the Incredible String Band show you did, um, your own bands I've seen playing with all sorts of people. Um, Stephen Malkmus, John Paul Jones, uh, Green from Scripality, uh, Bedders from Madness, uh, oh, Graham Coxon. Extraordinary Coxon. Yeah. And you yeah. played whole albums by the Beatles. Now, can we just ask you just a few things about that? Because it's fascinating, mm-hmm. really. So you've done the whole of the White Album. You've done the whole yeah. of Sgt. Pepper. You've done the whole of the Revolver. What do you discover when you make a band, you know, learn songs as well, complicated as that? What do you learn about the Beatles? What you discover about the Beatles, and I'm glad we're talking about the Beatles, <laughs> Mark. We'd never get there. Probably that was a terrible <laughs> gag where we about, see how long we yeah, could possibly try. I think wherever we even meet the high road to try and not speak about the Beatles. Uh, yeah. One of us cracks eventually. Looks at our watch. Yeah. Two minutes thirty. Oh god, not bad. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but anyway, you remember the Beatles. Anyway, <laughs> glad, I'm so glad you yes. mentioned. Thanks for asking yeah, me. That, god, we could have, could have fit the whole of Desolation Row into the time before the fans came up. The listeners, <laughs> we we'll get on to um, later. Yes. <laughs> But what, what I've discovered most about about the Beatles is that it, it's the it's the lingua franca. It's the thing that that connects pretty much everybody, almost everyone, with probably the exception of Morris Tepper or somebody, <laughs> uh, is going to be into the Beatles on some level. You've got to remind and me of Morris Tepper, who's an obscure member of the, the, the late Magic Band. Band OK, carry on, sorry. And actually, I, it made, to be fair, it was Morris, Morris said to me something about Beefheart once, saying, don't you play those Beatle chords. So maybe, you know, Morris innocently liked the Beatles and then Beefheart explained his error. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but every, you know, everybody else... What's really great is you get two or three musicians in together and you say, let's try the Sun King. So we'll all start off on the Fleetwood Mackie sort of E to F sharp minor. There's no no problem there. Then you move up to the vocals with the the big F. um, And here comes the Sun King. And by the time you've got to Sun King, someone's saying it's a, a... an E minor, someone's saying it's a C major seventh, and someone else says, no, no, I think it's some kind of G chord. And it, it just dissolves. Almost you, the same row yeah. they would have had in the Beatles. Like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's right, but yeah. probably for different reasons. I mean, it, nobody can figure it out, whereas when we did Hunky Dory by, the, the, you know, David Bowie's classic um, uh, with... What did we do? We do them all at the, at the Three Kings, but uh, to, as, an, as MSF benefits, but they... There was no dispute about Hunky Dory. It was absolutely straightforward. Um, Louis Vos, the, the pianist who I've discovered through Graham Coxon, who was a very founder member of the Higsons. Oh, right. Louis played the piano. Paul Noble played Mick Ronson's guitar parts. Bedders played the bass line. The strings did the strings. You know, the girls and I and, and Green put our voices in the right place. And Terry Edwards did everything else. 
But they're much and, and more complicated. Bowie songs are much more complicated than you imagine, aren't they? Yeah, but the, for some reason, everyone's quite happy doing it. They, the, everyone does exactly what the, you... <coughs> I can't tell you, you look at the ingredients and you get... The, the meal is, is exactly what the ingredient says it's going to be, whereas if you let everyone loose on Abbey Road or something... They can't seem... It's really hard to get everyone to agree on what it is. You know, it's much more fluid. Someone said, well, you know, Abbey Road's very dense, there's all these overdubs, so it's harder. But but every Beatles album, there's there's lots of arcana that nobody's quite sure about, So, which is, I think, part of their mystique to musicians. It's actually it's, in the music. Yeah, it's, it's in the music. You can't be absolutely certain. Is that a minor sixth? You know, the, the great Radiohead chord? Yeah. Or, or, no, no, actually, it's uh, it's it's not... It's, it's the... It's the D seventh or something like that, and it uh, for the last it thing can't we just did, we simply transferred no, sheet music no, to charts like most. Whereas the can. Bowie stuff, you know, we did. I don't know if you if you, you saw the show we did at uh, the Floating Palace, we did at um, the Barbican, and yeah. we had so as an encore, we were doing B cars. The world is round, you know. That was our first attempt. It was a bit incredibly a bit doddery, but we got it better in Brighton. They but, do it with five but vocals. It was a lovely yeah. bit where Martin Carthy said, "Ah, oh, that's a thirteenth." You know, um, it, it's just really hard to... to. And other differences between McCartney and Lennon or anything like that you've, you've noticed when you look... You mean the songwriters? When you, yeah, because you, you've got under the bonnet and, and ah, you, you're tinkering around with the, the actual shape of these songs. The weird thing about John, Paul and George is that, <coughs> is that they're all essentially... They're from the same school. The Beatles was... They were not only brothers, effectively, you know, to three guys who were five foot eleven with straight brown hair and good-looking who happened to grow up in Liverpool in the 40s, which is, you know, an odd coincidence. But it was it was the Beatle Academy. If you listen to their songs before, you know, as they're evolving and even after they've left the fabs, you'd play along with Ram or something, you know, and there's all this... It's all the passing chords and all three... Even Lennon, when he kind of went basic, was still doing that stuff. And it, I think it's... It's, it's amazing how similar George has got a bit more of a propensity for diminished chords, yeah, which are not very rocky, but they all have them. Paul and John put them in too. Um, you know, they're we've got a tape recording of a meal going. Yes, yeah, so yeah, somebody's it is. cooking lunch. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah but anyway, no, I mean that, that's. I mean, quite apart from what their emotional uh, hues are, you know, the difference. I've always said about the Fabs that the re- one of the reasons it worked, it was like a four-colour separation, you know. So, so John's blue, Paul's red, George's oh, green, and Ringo's yellow. And if you look, if you break a photo colour picture down into the individual colours, they're all tiring to look at. The eye can't take too much of a yes. blue picture, but Very you well overlook, well. and they all work perfectly. And you know, the the Fabs were doomed as solo artists because they were a team. You have been listening to the free feed of the Word podcast. The full album-length version is only available to subscribers to the magazine. To sign up and to hear the rest of this podcast, go to www.wordpodcast.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 